Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for attending. And now, without further ado, to answer your questions, we welcome Commissioner Carl Benson. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for attending today's press conference. Uh, at a time when there are so many uncertainties facing intercollegiate athletics, I thought that this would be a good opportunity to address some of those issues. Uh, who's got the first question? I got a question. Uh, Trent Krim from the Independent. <laughs> really? Trent Krim from the Independent? Are you kidding me? What's your question? Well, well what makes you qualified to be a commissioner? And alive. That's the best that you can have at a time when, when we've got all these issues facing us, and that's the best question you have? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. And really... Who let this guy in? The sport of college basketball has its fair share of issues. Anyone who follows the sport is well aware of those. But what about all the good stuff about college hoops? Maybe if we paid closer attention during the regular season, we'd see it's much more than just March Madness. This week on Knutson and the Commission, Carl and I are joined by Tulane head coach Ron Hunter, who's won more than 450 games, taken his team to the big dance, and helped his son RJ become a first-round draft pick. In Coach Hunter's eyes, while there are certainly things that need to be fixed, the glass isn't just half full when it comes to college basketball. It's filled almost to the rim. Great insight from one of the top minds in the sport, a guy whose passion for those who play college hoops is pretty much unmatched. Ron Hunter joins us when we come back right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. Carl, we started touching on college basketball last week with uh, Mike DeCorsi from the Sporting News talking about the all things all things involved transfer portal nil the one and done rule all those types of things we thought we'd continue that again this week talk more with, with someone who's an integral part of college basketball right now the head coach at tulane university and a friend of yours absolutely and uh, mark we really are very lucky to have tulane men's head basketball coach ron hunter join us today coach hunter is in his third season with the green wave his 27th overall as college basketball coach having spent 18 years at IUPUI, that's Indiana University, Purdue University, at Indianapolis, and then eight years at Georgia State, taking the Panthers to three NCAA tournament appearances, including a first-round win in 2015 as a number 14 seed over number three seed Baylor. It was during this time at Georgia State that I had the good fortune of working with Ron as he made the Georgia State program the premier men's basketball coach in the Sun Belt. Uh, besides having 476 career wins in those 27 years, Coach Hunter has played an active role in the national scene, serving on several NCAA committees, along with being the president of the National Basketball Coaches Association. So who better in light of all the issues facing intercollegiate athletics and the impact they will have on the sport of basketball to give us an inside look on what the NIL and transfer portal will mean to basketball. <clears throat> Welcome, Coach, and thanks so much for uh, carving out 30 minutes for us today as the green green uh, wave move into the final month of the season before March Madness begins. And I'll, I'll start, Mark. Well, well, he left up one thing. This is a that? guy that knows how to coach hurt. Okay? <laughs> he left that out. I mean, we ask players to play hurt all the time, right? Uh, I, uh, coaching I, I coaching I mean, hurt is something special. And Ron got a lot of attention for coaching hurt. I, uh, I had to leave some of this stuff out, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to give credit to, uh, 
you know, to, to son RJ for, you know, for making him such a good basketball <laughs> coach. And, and then I can also say that he's got one of the best, you know, coaching spouses in the, in the world with Amy. So, I mean, yeah. you talk about a lucky guy. He, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, he and he did, he went down, he, he went did. down. I saw it. That was within 10 feet of when he went down on the court, uh, at, uh, in New Orleans at the Sunbelt tournament. And, uh, and the, the next week then to watch him coach listen, in that, uh, on that little wheelie there. I, listen, I always, <laughs> I always tell people the best thing about baseball is that dog pile on the pitcher's mound after you win a championship. So this was just a different version of that. And, you know, it's inevitable someone gets hurt in something like that, right? It's going to happen. It's happened to other people. So it just happened, happened to happen to the coach this time. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, uh, you know, there's one thing, a lot of things you want to remember for, but it was it's funny. The other day in the airport, walking through with the team, and lady comes by. She's actually in a wheelchair. And she stops me, and she said, to, hey, aren't you the coach that fell in the game when his son made the shot? Uh, not even a college basketball fan, but uh, I'm walking through the airport, lady in a wheelchair stops me, and uh, – I think that's probably going to be attached to me the rest of my You're life. You're inspirational, <laughs> well, you know, and, and you know you you beat you beat uh, uh, Baylor, and then you had a, a great game with with Xavier where you got beat. But had you not gotten beat, you wouldn't have gotten all that airtime the following week during uh, you know during the CBS uh, ESPN uh, lead up to uh, to the Sweet 16. But uh, you know, Ron, last week we did we talked with Mike DeCourcy about you know just kind of projecting what NIL and transfer portal will the impact that it'll have on, on men's basketball, you know, for the last three months, all we've heard about is, is football. And, and now with the signing day yesterday and the, the, the number of football players that, that landed in the transfer portal and the, the, in just the, the accusations and the implications of, of the NIL has, has the, have the basketball coaches, been able to prepare for what you guys are going to face come April 1st? Well, I, I, I don't know if we're prepared for it, to be honest with you. You know, there's been a ton of conversation, but and I think the biggest issue is, is that since it's been put in, every month something changes with it. Uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, when with the transfer portal and, you know, dealing with the NIL, the, the, the problem that you actually have is that, you know, let's see what happens when a season's played out. You know, for example, you know, there are certain programs right now where this kid was supposed to make all this money and he, A, didn't play, B, didn't pan out, or C, transfers. And so, you know, there, there's, so many, there's so many layers to this. And, and the interesting part is that this is supposed to be able to help kids that, you know, from financially to be able to, you know, whether it's make money or, 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 or get paid. It's not even supposed to help the top layer of the kids who are going to go to the NBA. It's actually it was supposed to filter down. And so a lot of those things really hadn't happened. I think there are more stories out there. Um, you know, I was telling someone the other day, you know, my first game as a coach was in 1989. And the difference between 1989 and right now, um, I had, I've got a really, I got a kid on my team, great kid, but he's a terrible player. And he's asking coach, how can I, I need to make some money, you know? And so I said, Hey, listen, why don't you guard somebody first? And then we can work on your deal. <laughs> 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 so, uh, it's, it, it, but it's, it, but it's amazing. I, I'm not even quite sure the student athletes quite understand it. We're trying to educate them, especially here at Tulane. Um, I've taken the approach. I just want to kind of sit back and, 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 and kind of see how this is going to, work. Uh, we've got some several things going on here at Tulane that, that, that may be interesting, but um, I just think right now it, it's it's before we all jump in about it. I, I, I really want to see how it works because I, even when I look at football 
and I look at some of the players that, that are high profile that got big deals that on the court or on the field, it didn't pan out. Yep. And so then what happens? Um, and, you know, and so like, you know, it's funny, even the other day I was talking to our kids about it and I started talking to them about the tax liability of it. And yeah. I had no, no None idea, idea None. what I was talking about. Yep. And so, um, so I, we're, we're after the season, we're bringing in a tax accountant or someone who could talk about these types of things, a tax lawyer. And so there's just so much of it. Uh, but I really want to see what this looks like in two years. And, our, you know, the, and that's, what I, that's where I kind of stand right now. What about Coach, the transfer, though? What about the transfer? Are you preparing, you know, I mean, you're, you're recruiting high school kids and, and some transfers already, regardless of it. What's the, what's the recruiting season going to look like for men's basketball in light of what we've seen, you know, this fall on the, on the football team? Well, I, I, I'll tell you this. It depends on where you're at. Uh, for example, the way I would recruit at Tulane is so much different than what I would recruit at Georgia State. Uh, and again, perfect example. So I recruit a high school kid. He He's a freshman this year. He's probably all conference going to average 21 points. He's averaging 19 points a game as a freshman. What if LSU, uh, the Blue Bloods come mm-hmm. in and take mm-hmm. him away from him? Okay. So, or do I go get a transfer that's already transferred one time? I've got him in the program. He can't transfer again. But he may not quite be as good as player, but at least I know I'll have him. The other side of it is that that same freshman that I had, let's say he didn't play a lot this year. He was Mr. Basketball. He's a great player. He didn't play. Well, he's still mad he wants to transfer. So why I bring these up is that because I am not a – we're not recruiting kids. I'm more of a general manager trying to manage a roster. That's a great great point. Carl Durrell, football coach at Colorado, uh, said an article here yesterday that – he thought he made a mistake by leaving when the season was over, hitting the road to recruit. He said, mm-hmm. I needed to stay around and recruit my own roster, re-recruit yeah. my own roster. Yeah. And that's that's going to really change the dynamic on how you guys go about this, isn't it? Well, there's no question. So, for example, the, the April period is going to come right after the Final Four. And my coaches will say, hey, where are we going? I said, we're not going anywhere. We, we, we're, we start three freshmen and two sophomores. So my deal is, no, 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 no. We, every day we're going to be with those kids and make sure that our groups, okay, we'll start going out in the summer. But that April period where I used to go on vacation, relax and all that, can't Mm-mm. do that anymore. Mm-mm. Right now, it's managed roster. You got to make sure that the kids that you got in your program, because here's two things. Coaches get fired. Everybody gets – there's there's so much changing that goes on in the month of April that we can't even afford to go out recruiting right now yeah. because you're worried about the kids and what's who's talking to them and what's going on in your own program. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing dynamic that you have to deal with. And and not a, not a good thing, I don't think, for the model. Um, let me pose this to both of you guys real quick, because it's, it's kind of a premise of mine. And Carl, we've talked about this before, but I really want to get you and Ron's take on this. I have a baseball background. So in baseball, regardless, I mean, Mike DeCourcy hated the, hates baseball's minor league system and it's unfair. Put that aside for a minute. Baseball gives players an option when they come out of high school. They can either sign to get paid and go play in the minor leagues, or they can go to college and in the old days wouldn't get paid. You had to make a decision. Do you see, either one of you see benefit to the NBA and college football for that matter, but the NBA specifically improving the, the developmental league process and giving kids an option. Okay, you don't want to go to college. You want to be a college student? Fine. You want to be Ben Simmons uh, and you don't want to go to college? That's fine. Go, go to the NBA D-League. I know they're letting, Carl, we talked about this last week, the Ignite program. They're letting a few in there. Maybe they should just open that up. Maybe just say, listen, you have an option now. You get you either get to go to high school or I mean, from high school, you get to go to, to the to the NBA minor league or you get to go play uh, college basketball, but you can't do both. You can't get paid both. Maybe it's too late to put that toothpaste back, toothpaste back in the tube, but doesn't that seem just like a better, a better setup? Go ahead, Rob. 
Well, I'll, I'll answer that. And, and, you know, I think Carl talked about, you know, I, I have for the last 15 years, I've sat on every board that you can imagine with the NABC right. and the NCA. And so one of the things that, 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 struck, that struck me then and still strikes me now, we spent so much time talking about this, but in reality, we're not talking about that many kids. Since football and baseball, there are a lot of numbers. And basketball, yeah. there, are, there aren't many numbers. Fair. So we're, we're talking about maybe 1% of the kids that we got 365 Division One schools, and you're not talking about Division Two or overseas. The reality of it is college basketball is a minor league for the NBA. Yeah. Secondly, what the, what the NFL doesn't have and what Major League Baseball doesn't have, the basketball has, we have professional overseas. Where a kid can go to Spain and make, or, or or Italy or, or Australia, where, where your make, son is right now, right, and, and and make a great great living doing yeah. that. And I and and I say this to say that I think we spend a lot of time on worried about the one percent and not worried about the other ninety eight percent of the kids. Uh, even when you talk about the NLI and all the other things you're talking about, we're we're, we're 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 so consumed about that kid that's leaving and going to the NBA. My deal is listen. If the kid is good enough to go play, let him go. Do You don't need a minor. If he wants to put his name in the draft and he wants to go do it, great. But we're only talking about a handful of kids. Let the NBA deal with that because at the end, those kids are going to come back to us anyway. For all the dreams of everyone thinking they're going to play in the NBA, it's, the reality is we make, it, we make it so much harder than what it really has to be. And we spend a lot of time, uh, and I have spent a lot of time, and, and, and Carl, you know this, traveling to Indianapolis and Kansas City back and forth, talking about the one and done and some of those things. When I look back at the last 15 years and the meetings that we have and what we try to accomplish, you're talking about such a minute amount of kids that it shouldn't be a factor. We should make college basketball better and worry about the sport in itself. College basketball is not going anywhere, just like college football is not going anywhere. We're going to have good, we're going to have kids, but make it about these kids, not worried about whether a kid wants to go into the NBA. If he wants to go, let him go. If he wants to go play baseball, let him go do that. There are enough kids out there where we can make our sport so much better than spending the time worrying about the one and done and some of those things, creating another league or, you know, even how we've done the payment of kids. I, I was a student athlete. I had no money. I think there's a way that we can take care of our kids outside of the route that we're doing right now. We have created a monster with this right now, and we didn't need to. We're worried about agents, and we're worried about the, the, the top players being paid because, again, you look at the cheating and those things of that nature. I will say this the same thing. Even the guys that were cheating and doing all this stuff, you still only talk about 1% of the players. But again, we make this big change and these big deals about something. And we have heard college basketball. We have heard college football with this. Because again, I think we've rushed to a judgment on something. And again, we forgot about the kids that guess what? Aren't going to make a dime player professionally in sports. And we got about 98% of those kids that we forget about. You know, four years ago, four years ago at this time, coming out of the, the FBI investigation, the NCAA creates a, a commission, the Condoleezza Rice Commission, to fix college basketball. You know, they, they met over a period of months. They submitted their recommendations in the spring of 2018. They start getting implemented in 19. COVID hits in 2020. The, the whole NIL and transfer portal. Have, have we forgotten about that commission and the recommendations that that were put into place to quote, we need to fix college basketball. Is, is college basketball broken, Ron? 
No. See, and that's the problem. What we need to fix are the people that were causing the issues. We still got mm-hmm. coaches that were on wire tape still coaching tonight. And so what we don't, we don't need to fix college basketball. We got to have strong enough presidents and strong enough athletic directors that if a guy makes a decision to cheat and do it the way they're doing that, we don't reward them with long-time contracts and continue to pay them. We, college basketball doesn't have it in. You, you can watch Stony Brook play Maine today. Those guys, are, they're playing great basketball. They didn't have to cheat to go do that. You can watch, it's again, it's such the few, but the few that we talk about is what gets all the attention. We spent, they spent a lot of money putting these people together and doing all they came with all this great information and nothing's being done. And I just say that because we're four years later and some of the same characters are still in our business. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to say, hey, listen, okay, well, I've got a business. This isn't helping my business. Let's just take this part of it out and let everything else grow and continue. But we don't do that in basketball. We worry about what's seen and what, you know, the blue bloods, and we worry about that. And the blue bloods has destroyed what I would could call the overall picture of what we're trying to do in college basketball. I was a student athlete. I earned a scholarship. I did not play professional basketball, but it allowed me to be in the position that I am now. And so we forget about that. My roommate was Ron Harper, won NBA championships, did all the things, left early. Our stories couldn't be different, but we ended that being productive part of society, earning a scholarship, we wouldn't have been able to do if we hadn't gone through athletics. So we forget about all that. We do need to tweak it. I strongly believe college basketball doesn't have a problem. We have a leadership problem. And the leadership at the top has to make decisions about if something is wrong, you fix the, 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 the problem, not the overall scheme of what we're doing. I wish more people would um, focus on the value of a scholarship. The fact that these kids have an opportunity to get a free free scholarship, free degree, and no no debt when they graduate and, and so on. And I think that's grossly undervalued, especially by people in my business, in the media. Oh, these poor exploited athletes, that not, they get a great opportunity in front of them if they choose to take it. And I, I just think too much is made of the fact that they, they're not paid. Well, that, that college education you got, Ron, I got one, so did Carl. That's pretty valuable. It, it's pretty valuable moving forward. Not just the life lessons, but the scholastic part of it as well. It's pretty valuable. Um, Ron, you mentioned and, we, and Carl, we talk a lot about cheaters, but has, as Gary Patterson said, there aren't any rules anymore. You can't be cheating if there's no rules to break. How do you see him fixing this? I mean, there's a lot of things, as I keep using the term toothpaste out of the tube, but is there things that can be fixed by the leaders you talk about to put more rules in place? Like the idea of maybe the transfer portal being closed for certain periods of time, or so you, have, you don't have year-round free agency in these sports? Yeah. Well, the one thing that you can't fix, and I always say this, is money. This is all controlled by money. And what I mean by true. that is, 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 is the, the TV deals. That's what controls that. It controls our, our conferences in regards to people moving, schools moving, uh, with college football and all of that. And, 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 and because of, you know, uh, and I'm pretty sure that, uh, Carl, you can remember this. There, there was a time I, I, was, I went to Indianapolis, and Carl, I'm not quite sure you were there. And we were talking about how do we fix this problem? They had myself and Bill Self were the only two coaches that were involved. And we talked about, well, maybe what we should do is start the season later. Uh, let's, 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 let's move it back, move the Final Four. And everybody in the world thought it was a great idea until CBS said, oh, no, we can't do that. We can't change it because uh, the Masters has played on this day here. That would change everything and what we're trying to get done. And we were saying that by condensing the season and some of the other things. Every time we've tried to change something, the first thing that comes back is money. And until that, you know, and I don't see that changing. And the reason I say that is that even the coaches that are really, that we know that are cheating and doing it, as long as they're winning, that's not going to change either. Because, again, winning draws television ratings. It keeps the AD's job. The president's happy. And so you start that in football, and it trickles its way down. So, 
major changes. Like I know right now, I think my athletic director's on that committee that they're talking about how we revamp the rule book. Again, I, I will say this. Why? What, 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 is, what is revamping going to change out of the 98% of what's good about college athletics? What's 98% of those kids who are not going to go to the NBA? There's a lot. We don't, we, we, we still, everything is still about the 2% of the cheaters and the 2% of the kids that are going into the NBA. I, I, I want to start, I can't wait to the time that they're having conversations about the other 90 that's very, that's doing really well or the other kids that are not going to play in the NFL, or the kids that are not going to play in the NBA. And so I think we need to focus on those kids and those coaches who believe in that instead of the other part of it. But we're not because of, guess what? The TV ratings for the, for the football playoffs was as high as it's ever been. You know, college basketball, in my opinion, is struggling in, in regards to TV ratings, but not in March. You know, the one thing we got is the March Madness. And so, again, you know, hell, we played in a pandemic when, when I believe we shouldn't have played just so we can fulfill our needs for television. That's the only reason we played last year. Make no sense of actually playing games last year. I was, I was, I, I, you know, I got sicker than a dog, and, and I was really upset last year because I thought, okay, we're talking about the NBA. We're talking about we should pay kids. But I'm going to a pandemic. I'm sicker than I've ever been in my life. I've got kids that are sick, and we're, we're still playing games with no fans because we're worried about get cover, making sure we get our TV coverage. But no one talked about that. But yet still, let's talk about, hey, let's pay the kids. Let's, and I, we got all these other things. And I thought the worst thing we ever did last year was play those games. In terms of, of that, the, 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 the dog, you know, the tail wagging the dog, you know, analogy that has been around uh, for so long. And we're, we're facing it now with the impact that football may have on the rest of, really, the rest of the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And and the threat of five conferences spinning off and and creating a, a new entity, a new organization. I've heard some some of your former colleagues let them go, let them go, mm-hmm. and let's recreate a new NCAA without the billion dollar television contract, and let's just do something that that's more educationally based and more collegiate, more collegiate. Yeah. And, and let those that, that want to to chase the money, uh, let them go. Your thoughts? Well, it, it's interesting. And I, and I 100% completely agree with that. And I think that's where it's headed because of football. But here's yeah. the interesting part. So let's, let's something we started off with, you were talking about the NCAA tournament. So let's just say the Power Five had its own NCAA tournament. One of the things that makes March great is the little school beating the big school. Yep. That opportunity, the, the, the Georgia State beating the Baylor. The Valparaiso's winning that game. If you take that out of the NCA, out of the NCA tournament, there's no March Madness. No. And if you if you just had the Blue Bulls playing against each other, I think that again, I don't I don't think you had the same type of brand. Yeah, uh, right. Right now, you have the number one team in the country is not a Power Five team, Gonzaga. That's exactly so, right. I mean, yeah, it, it it really would damage it. There's no question it would damage the whole whole thing. Yeah, and so I think that we, in, in a way, Carl, we've already really had this because at the end of the day, the NCAA can't control football. Football's doing its own thing regardless anyway. Yeah. You know, they got their own bowl system. They got their own thing. We, they they kind of steal our rules a little bit, but, they, but, but the Power 5 football runs its own deal anyway, and they ain't even giving the money up to the NCAA. The NCAA's cowbell is the March Madness deal. And if you change that March Madness and you start to say, let the Blue Bloods play their own deal, then it's not March Madness. So in a way, we're already doing that. And so – uh, I can't see the blue blood saying, okay, hey, let's just completely separate it. Because again, I don't think there's a lot of things they still need from what I would call, you know, we're, we're what we call a power six school or, or, you know, and there are a lot of schools in a power five 
they can't afford to do that. You know, there's only still a top of the level of the power five schools that can afford to kind of be on their own. How important is, is conference branding? Commissioner Resco and I have been through a lot of wars together and, and I, I respect what he has tried to do to advance the, the brand of, of the American and that power six label. How did, during that time, Ron, did it impact your recruiting? Did it impact, you know, and you've only been at Tulane now, this is your third season. So maybe, a, maybe it's a limited window that you've seen, but how important going forward is it for Tulane to, to be branded as, you know, major college X. I don't think it means anything anymore. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think it's meant anything for a long time. And when I'm recruiting kids, one of the few things they care about at the end of the day is, is, is your conference affiliation. Uh, you talk when I grew up and man, it was when, when I was younger, even in coaching, when I played, you know, the conference was so localized in regards to every, you, you can bus trip everywhere. You knew the guys, you knew the Midwestern guys were all kind of going to the same schools and there were such great rivalries. Again, there aren't even many great rivalries anymore. You take a school like the American. I mean, it's hard. I, I'm not going to recruit against Temple. They're on the East Coast. They're, there's no branding that's going between Temple and Tulane. One in New Orleans and the other in Philadelphia. You're so far apart. Uh, when you deal with student athletes now, rarely does it come up. They want to know about two things. Can I get to the NBA? Uh, how many games you play on television? Uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, the rest of it all becomes the same, to be honest with you. How much am I going to play, Coach? Because here's the thing. You could have television. You can have the conference. You have everything they want. If they're not playing 25 minutes a day, guess where they're going? Right in that transfer court. So it won't even matter. So conference branding is, is – I'll be honest with you. I think we should all be in one big ball and just play. Everybody should be an independent. Because I just don't <laughs> – I just don't think the whole conference thing – not when I played you worried about conference thing. Now I was in the MAC, And at the MAC, you could drive everywhere. Ohio University and Ball State and OU and Toledo. Everything was in a four or five-minute uh, – four or five-hour drive. That's what great conferences back then. Now, like I said, you got to fly. You got teams in California, playing a team in Michigan. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's so watered down and spread out. It changed. Most people don't even know who are in conferences because it changes every two or three years. And so I just think it's tough with conference branding. And, and you talk about going to it, it's to the point now, you know, when you talk about the NCAA tournament, I mean, I, I just don't see, you know, everybody you got, you got, okay, let's take every SEC team and put them in the NCAA tournament. It just doesn't make any sense. I think that we, we made we made some bad decisions about that. But, again, we are where we are because, again, the only reason the leagues have changed is that everybody wants a piece of that pie, and that's that TV money. That's what they want. I was just going to – something just triggered when you were talking about come the end of the season, the 1st of April, you're not going anywhere. Does that mean that has the, NB, has the NABC thought about moving their their uh, convention around the Final Four and the, and the conflict that uh, – that the final four has on the recruiting season. <laughs> You're trying to get me in trouble, Carl. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I used to be the president. Yeah, but I'll, but I'll always, I'll always bail you out though. Too. <laughs> um, I'm no longer, I'm no longer uh, tied into the NABC for a lot of different reasons. To be honest with you. some things have changed. Uh, I'm always, I'm big on, on, on our coaches association and, and, and betterment of our coaches association. Uh, we have, of course, had the, our, our convention in the last couple of years because of COVID. Right. Um, uh, but I'll be honest with you, uh, I don't ever see the convention or the coaches convention being the same as it used to be. And, you know, it used to be where guys would come together, exchange ideas. It was a celebration. Uh, we learned from each other. 
there are a lot of great things. That's not the final four anymore. It's, it's, it's extremely corporate, uh, you know, from going to the games or all those other things, uh, uh, the meetings and the things that we would do where we can brand and come together and, and, and help each other learn. You know, uh, I've always, you know, I learned from, I'll, I'll be honest with you, my coaching style is, is, is from a guy named John Cheney. Uh, I didn't know John very well, but when I, I was a 30-year-old head coach at uh, IEPY, learning how to be a coach, I was so enamored with him that I would go to the Final Fours and follow this man and listen to him. He had no idea who I was, but I just wanted to listen to him. If he spoke at a clinic, I was there. If he was sitting there around just chopping it up and talking to John Thompson and those guys, I listened. If you watch my teams, we practice in the morning like Cheney did. We do a lot of the same matchups, a lot of those type of things. If we didn't have, I didn't have that back then, there's, I wouldn't have known that. And we don't have that type of camaraderie about what we should be doing and coming together and learning from each other. And so, therefore, the Final Four to me is, 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 is a bit commercial. And so, uh, so I have a hard time with that because, again, I learned how to coach by just having an opportunity to spend five or ten minutes with some of the greats and the legends and listen to them do a clinic or listen to how they would have an issue or problem. Uh, whether it was, you know, whether it was an issue with minorities or minority hiring or whatever it might be, that was some place that we can come and we can come. It's not that way anymore. And so I've kind of separated myself from that because uh, I don't believe in a commercialism. Ron, um, you've probably heard talk about, and we've talked about this, about the Power Five breaking off in football and forming their own group and maybe somebody like Nick Saban becoming the quote-unquote czar, the, the commissioner, the de facto commissioner, whatever, of, of this overseeing this entire thing. If we decided to do that in college basketball and in a few years and they wanted to make Ron Hunter the czar of college basketball, what would be the first thing you would do? What are some of the other things you would do to, uh, to college basketball? And change college basketball. I mean, again, and I say that in a sense because I'm a, I'll go back and say what I said at the beginning. I think that 98% of college basketball is, is, is great. I would focus my time on a 98% and try to eliminate the 2% this one. Uh, it sounds simple. It sounds, you know, but at the end of the day, I think we can do that. Uh, you know, I, I remember sitting in a meeting one time with, 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 with Calipari and all the guys, and we said, you know, let's, you know, talk about policing ourselves and let, you know, let, let's clean up this business among ourselves. And, you know, I'm sitting in there and, and there are 17 coaches and out of the 17, uh, I bet there was only maybe five mid-major coaches. And I made a comment at the end. I said, guys, the guy that's coaching at Cal State Northridge or the guy that's coaching at IEPY or Butler, they, they don't have these issues. So the, the police needs to be from the group of people that's doing it. And if they're doing it, why not eliminate that part? We got such a great thing going. Why are we trying to change it because of all these guys? We got all these rules. The, the, the NCAA book is only created because of the rules that people have broken. And it's the same people that have broken the rules. So we keep adding more rules to a, to a problem that you can't fix. The, the NCAA book is not for the mid-majors. That NCAA the, the recruiting thing that you're talking about in April and all those other things, I've been through every type of changes you have recruited. Every time we make a change, it's because somebody did something wrong. It's drilling from the same group of people or the same schools. And so that would be my deal. I think we focus on that too much. Eliminate what's wrong and let's celebrate and continue to do what's right. Along those lines, I, I, I did hear Coach K uh, a couple of weeks ago on his weekly, nightly broadcast. Uh, uh, and he was, he was talking with a, a young coach. Uh, Chris Beard uh, and you know and you coached against Chris when he was at Little Rock for his short time and, and he certainly has you know has taken advantage of opportunities and you know to Texas Tech and now at Texas and um, but they're talking about leadership you know within the sport of basketball and and with with the NCA context that you as basketball coaches need basketball people managing the affairs 
and developing the, the rules and the procedures and the, the protocol. You know, the NCA has tried you know, through, through its committee structure, but the committees are coaches like yourselves who come to a meeting and are trying to get out of there as fast as they can to go back and do their, their real job. But, you know, if there were, you know, group of full-time administrators that were, were basketball only and, and basketball emphasis on it, does, does that change? Does that help create a better, you know, a better sport? Well, I, I, I think it can. As you know, I sat on that oversight committee. A few years ago, they, they started the basketball oversight committee and they had a football oversight committee. And at that time, myself and Bill Self were there. Uh, sitting on the committee and I again you're so right because you know you're sitting in there it's a two-day deal and you're going over everything you're giving everything about five or ten minutes and you spend uh nine ninety percent of your time talking about the uh, uh the draft and it used to frustrate because I'm like why are we talking about the draft who cares you know and so I think that that that, that part of it is is that also when I look around the room if you never coached in that game or you never played or you don't understand it it's hard to kind of relate to some of the things that we're talking about. And as I look across the room and some of the people that I'm looking at, I, I realize, oh, okay, well, first of all, the first problem is that as I'm looking there, there, Carl, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think there were enough people in that room that looked like myself. The only people that were sitting in there was myself and Gene uh, uh, Smith at Ohio State. There's 45 people in there. There are two black men sitting in that room. I thought, okay, well, 80% of our, our, our game are African-Americans. So that's a problem. Then you look around and not many people have, whether you have been an AD or a coach or been in that, those type of situations, had never been in those situations. And so I'm like, how are we having an oversight committee? And we're talking about fixing some of the issues, but making the problem stronger. Well, that's why we spend all our time talking about what's wrong instead of celebrating what's right. I think college basketball, the biggest problem we got right now, and he asked me that question before, is that when we start college basketball in November, who cares? We don't celebrate it. Mm -hmm. we're, playing, we're right in the middle of football. Only time people care about college basketball right now is in football. We've done that to ourselves. Yep. We, we, yeah, they've got – it's the best It's the best postseason and the worst regular season yep. in, in sport. And, and surprisingly, the postseason has been so popular and so beneficial that people forget about and don't care about, you know, November, yep. you know, December, you know, December, January. And – you know the, the the point you made earlier with the the masters. You know I, I think I think that they're going to make a run at it again. Um, uh, I don't know who has that leadership ability uh, within the NCAA to to bring it up, but it's being talked about more and more that you know we are just we're we're killing the sport during the regular season, and at some point in time, you know the postseason may not may not be able to bail it out. And it's funny because I, I, I asked this question about 12 years ago. I asked it five years ago. I asked it actually about three weeks ago. And more and more people are talking about but you But I'll ask you guys a question. Explain to me why college basketball is the only sport, only basketball, whether it's overseas, NBA, high school, AAU, that plays half. Mm -hmm. Women play four quarters. In the Olympics, they play quarters. The NBA play quarters. In high school, they play quarters. Everywhere in the world, they play quarters except for college basketball. Why are we still playing halves? More commercials. Time. More commercials. More commercials. Exactly. Yeah. And it yeah. can't change the structure of the commercials to adapt to. And we need, because things have changed. The game has changed. There's no way in the world that we should be playing halves right now. And I only bring it up to say, again, 
We, no one wants to make those type of changes. That's why, again, having somebody that understands that, you surely can't tell me that we can't figure out a way to get an extra commercial one. They do an NBA. Mm -hmm. I know they play the game is longer, but they do it there. Mm -hmm. But that's just a point. There, there's an example right there of why it's hard for college basketball. We can't make a simple change. Every, every, every college coach in America will sit there and tell you we should be playing quarters right now. Mm -hmm. And, and the, women, the women were able to do it because – TV didn't interfere. Yep. You know, TV didn't uh, didn't care whether they played exactly. abs or, or quarters. Hey, hey guys, exactly. we're, we're running out of time. Ron, we really appreciate you joining us, especially in the middle of the season. I know you got a big weekend ahead of you. Um, thanks for taking the time to, to share your thoughts. Uh, some very valuable insight right there. We we can all we can all benefit from these kind of discussions. The game can certainly benefit from. Thank you very very much for being hey, with us. Hey Ron, thanks for having me, guys. Hey Ron, daughter Jessica said to say hello. Uh, tell us that. Tell me, Mister. Okay. <laughs> right, take care, guys. Take Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. Bye. Carl, you got a thumbs up and thumbs down for me. You know something? I do have a thumbs okay. up. All today. right. Stay. Hold, hold that thought. Time. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars, past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations: Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. Well, Mark, no uh, thumbs down today, but I've got, wow. a really big, I've got a big thumbs up. Cool. Because it's, I think it's it's better and it's it's more important than to delve on the negative. So let's really look at the positive today. I like it. Thumbs up for today goes to our guest, Ron Ron Hunter, for the work that he continues to do with an organization called Samaritan's Feet, a worldwide organization that has received over three million shoes for needy children around the world. And back in 2008, Ron introduced this cause to college basketball. And since then, each season, men's and women's coaches across the country coach a game in tennis shoes to bring awareness to this cause and to add to the thousands of shoes that are donated each year. So thumbs up, Coach Hunter. Your commitment to this wonderful cause is great. Thanks so much. And he could also sell those little scooter things, right? He could, <laughs> he he could, could endorse a, those things, he could, things too because he, he did be a lot a promoter, for that, he could a lot be a for that industry. For those scooters, uh, absolutely. Good stuff as always, Carl. Okay. Appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, you can get on the golf course this week, and we'll we'll pick it up again next week at the same See time. Everybody same next channel. week, you got right. it. That's gonna do do it for Knutson and the Commission. Thanks for listening. See you next time.